welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of February 7, 2021. The 2021 ACB Legislative Seminar is coming up February 22 and 23. Normally, we would gather in Washington, D.C. for two days of training and visits to Capitol Hill, but this year the event is virtual. You can attend this conference through the power of ACB Radio, and even better, you can listen, ask questions, and make comments by using your landline or cell phone or your computer to join the conference by Zoom. Each year, ACB chooses three legislative imperatives that we want to emphasize in our efforts to educate senators and representatives about the needs of people who are blind or visually impaired. The 2021 imperatives are securing independence for seniors and Medicare beneficiaries through the coverage of low vision devices by Medicare, transportation, and Exercise and fitness for all. Here is the information on each imperative. Imperative 1. Secure independence for senior and Medicare beneficiaries. Legislative imperatives. Backgrounder. In November of 2008, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, promulgated a regulation that has had a detrimental impact on the lives of countless individuals who are blind or visually impaired. The durable medical equipment, prosthetics, orthotics, and supplies, DMEPOS, Competitive Acquisition Rule, contains a provision entitled Low Vision Aid Exclusion, which states that all devices, irrespective of their size, form, or technological features that use one or more lenses to aid vision and provide magnification of images for impaired vision, are excluded from Medicare coverage based on the statutory eyeglass exclusion. ACB believes this extremely restrictive reading of the eyeglasses exclusion has resulted in the denial of vital assistive devices for seniors and other Medicare beneficiaries that offer solutions for sustaining independence in the home. This proposal has had a significant impact on beneficiaries with vision impairments who depend on assistive technology that incorporates one or more lenses to aid their vision. The expansion of the eyeglass exclusion has prevented access to devices such as handheld magnifiers, video monitors, and a wide array of technologies that utilize lenses to assist individuals in overcoming the obstacles impeding their independence. These tools are often essential for individuals with low vision who, without the aid of assistive technology, cannot read prescriptions, medicine bottles, and other important materials containing content that is vital to their personal health and safety. In short, these devices allow individuals with low vision to live independently and safely. Such a poor regulatory policy serves as a preemptive and unwarranted coverage denial for any new technology designed to assist individuals with vision loss. Knowing its influence in the medical devices marketplace, innovation and competition will be curtailed if Medicare continues to maintain this coverage exclusion. 
The unwanted side effects include sacrificing personal independence for more costly residential assisted living, which in the long run ends up putting greater strain on our entitlement programs. Call to Action ACB urges all members of Congress to co-sponsor and support passage of the Bipartisan Medicare Demonstration of Coverage for Low Vision Devices Act. In the 116th Congress, this bill was reintroduced in the House of Representatives by Representatives Maloney, Democrat of New York, and Bilirakis, Republican of Florida, as H.R. 4129. The House bill had additional bipartisan co-sponsors. In the U.S. Senate, we are seeking the bipartisan introduction of an identical companion bill for the first time. This legislation would elevate through a five-year national demonstration project administered by the Department of Health and Human Services the fiscal impact of a permanent change to the Social Security Act. This legislation would allow reimbursement of certain low-vision devices that are the most function-rich that sustain daily independent living. The devices would be considered durable medical equipment. Individuals will be eligible to participate in the demonstration project only after completing a clinical evaluation performed by an ophthalmologist or optometrist who would then deem a low-vision device as medically necessary. The data from the demonstration would provide valuable insight into how the eyeglasses exclusion impacts independence for senior citizens and other Medicare beneficiaries. As Americans continue to live longer into their retirement, the Centers for Disease Control, CDC, projects through their Vision Health Initiative, VHI, that severe vision loss will be a leading chronic health condition for the next 30 years. Based on an increasingly aging population and demographic changes in our country, According to CDC's VHI, blindness increases the incidence of other chronic health conditions, depression, and morbidity. Therefore, it is vital that Congress identify solutions that can sustain quality of life as Americans get older. Imperative 2. Disability Access to Transportation Act. Data. Background. The Fixing America's Surface Transportation, FAST Act, was scheduled to be reauthorized by Congress by September of 2020. The bill was first enacted in September of 2015, and it was considered to be the first comprehensive, long-term piece of surface transportation legislation since 2005. The FAST Act fulfills the constitutional directive that dictates that investment in transportation and infrastructure is a core federal responsibility. It oversees the development and maintenance of roads, bridges, public transit, and rails. More specifically, the FAST Act strengthens transportation programs, refocuses on national priorities, provides long-term certainty, and flexibility for states and local governments, streamlines project approval processes, and maintains a strong commitment to safety. In 2020, one of ACB's legislative imperatives was advocating for measures to improve transportation and environmental access through inclusion of provisions in the FAST Act reauthorization. 
Through collaboration with the cross-disability community, the efforts of ACB and our members led to the bipartisan introduction of the Disability Access to Transportation Act, or DATA Act, by Representatives Langevin, Democrat of Rhode Island, Katko, Republican of New York, and Titus, Democrat of Nevada. The bill number for the DATA Act was H.R. 6248, and the provisions for this bill were included in the House version of the FAST Act. Unfortunately, Congress did not reauthorize the FAST Act by the deadline, September 30, 2020. Instead, Congress passed a continuing resolution, which was signed by President Trump, that funded existing transportation programs for an additional year, until September 30, 2021. Call to Action ACB urges Congress to reintroduce the Bipartisan Data Act and to pass this legislation as part of the reauthorization of the FAST Act. The reintroduction of this bill enables the blind and visually impaired community to address transportation and infrastructure issues that allow for access and safety in their communities. The Data Act would create and fund a five-year paratransit pilot program allowing passengers to make one stop during their trip for purposes including child care, groceries, pharmacies, and financial institutions. Require the Department of Transportation and the U.S. Access Board to create guidelines setting forth minimum standards for pedestrian facilities in the public right-of-way. Provide greater access for individuals to file complaints regarding paratransit service with the Department of Transportation Civil Rights Office. Create an accessibility data pilot program to assist local communities in identifying gaps in transportation and methods to improve service to low-income, minority, older, and disabled populations. Increase funding levels for Section 5310 grants that fill gaps in services for older adults and people with disabilities. The blind and visually impaired community continues to face a lack of accessible transportation options and infrastructure-related safety risks. When meeting with representatives, please share personal experiences with paratransit and inaccessible transportation infrastructure. The passage of the Data Act will improve transportation access and help alleviate environmental access barriers, which will allow people who are blind and experiencing vision loss to live more independently in their community with greater opportunities for economic growth. And by including the Data Act in the reauthorization of the FAST Act, the FAST Act would fulfill its responsibility to strengthen transportation programs for all Americans. Imperative 3. Exercise and Fitness for All Act. Background. Physical activity plays an important role in maintaining health, well-being, and quality of life. According to the Physical Activity Guidelines for Americans, 2nd Edition, physical activity can help control weight, improve mental health, and lower the risk for early death, heart disease, type 2 diabetes, and some cancers. Physical activity can also improve mental health by reducing depression and anxiety. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, one in four U.S. adults is living with a disability, including 93 million Americans who are at high risk for severe vision loss. 
Adults with disabilities are more likely to have obesity, heart disease, stroke, diabetes, or cancer than adults without disabilities. Physical activity can reduce the risk and help manage these chronic conditions while improving daily living activities and independence. The CDC recommends engaging in physical activity outdoors, such as walking, to improve physical and mental health. However, adults with disabilities report fewer accessible environmental supports, such as sidewalks, accessible pedestrian signals, public and paratransit and walkable shops, and more barriers, such as traffic, crime, and animals for walking than those without disabilities. An alternative to outdoor physical activity is indoor exercise at a gym, fitness facility, or in a person's home. However, the CDC also found that the inaccessibility of many fitness facilities creates barriers for those with a disability to exercise due to the lack of accessible space, instruction, and equipment. Call to Action ACB urges Congress to reintroduce the Exercise and Fitness for All Act on a bipartisan basis in both the House and Senate for the 117th Congress. The Exercise and Fitness for All Act would promote the provision of exercise or physical equipment and exercise or fitness classes and instruction that are accessible to individuals with disabilities. Social isolation due to the COVID-19 pandemic has underscored what ACB and our members already knew, that the lack of access to accessible exercise and fitness equipment and instruction are a persistent barrier to equal access and results in deteriorating physical and mental health. In the 116th Congress, Senators Duckworth of Illinois, Casey of Pennsylvania, and Blumenthal of Connecticut introduced the Exercise and Fitness for All Act in the Senate. The number was S-1244. And Representatives DeSalnier of California and Young, Republican of Alaska at large, introduced the Companion Bill in the House, H.R. 4561. The Exercise and Fitness for All Act would require the U.S. Access Board to develop and publish guidelines for implementation by the U.S. Department of Justice for exercise or fitness service providers regarding the provision of accessible exercise and fitness equipment as described by the American Society of Testing and Materials, allowing for the independent use by a person with a disability, including audible output and an accessible user interface. Ensure that exercise or fitness classes and instruction offered by the service provider are accessible to individuals with disabilities and ensure that the service provider makes available at least one employee who is able to assist individuals with disabilities in their use of accessible exercise or fitness equipment. When meeting with your members of Congress, be sure to share your personal experiences in attempting to use fitness, and exercise equipment at public facilities. Share what it would mean to you to have equal and independent access to the tools and resources to take charge of your health and encourage them to support reintroduction of the Exercise and Fitness for All Act. Page 2. Chris Gray is the president of ACB Diabetics in Action and former president of the American Council of the Blind. Chris shared information about accessible continuous glucose monitoring systems at the February 5 roundabout, 
sponsored by the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind. Here's Chris. Good evening, everybody, and uh, thank you for the invitation to come and talk with you tonight. It's been a while since I've been to a KCB meeting, so <clears throat> great to be here. A number of familiar names, even better, a number of unfamiliar names. And thank you for the invitation. Thank you for letting me come and talk with you tonight. And uh, I'll, I won't talk a long, long time. I'll leave time for questions and uh, hear from people. One of the reasons I'm here tonight is as president of the American Council of the Blind Diabetics in Action. It's a special interest group of ACB. It was formed in about 2005, and uh, we are trying to educate people about diabetes. We're trying to get more members to be able to lobby uh, the manufacturers of equipment, uh, the Congress, the FDA, uh, Medicare and Medicaid services. So if that sort of thing interests you or being a part of it interests you, we would love to have you as a member. All you got to do is go to acbda.org and uh, fill out the membership form and uh, you'll be a member of our organization. Yeah. Chris, this is Adam. Yeah, uh, Adam. What are the dues for uh, diabetics in action? You're going to love this. Yes, sir. The dues are $10 a year. That's very good. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, we think so. But we so much feel we need members, we just want to do it that way because we don't want dues to stand in the way of people to join. How do we do that? The easiest way to do it is to go to acbda.org and uh, go to the membership tab, and then you can fill out a, a form and pay through PayPal. And when you pay through PayPal, the <laughs> PayPal link says donate. What it should say is donate slash pay your dues. If you donate, you're paying your dues. Well, I hope and, you got mine. I hope I did it right. <laughs> and Bill, Craig, I'll check it out tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah, we got one more. Restoria? Yes. Uh, do you have to be a diabetic? Uh, a diabetic to join ACBDA? Yes. Oh, no. No, we'll take anybody. <laughs> Restoria, Chris would even have never to be blind. turn down money for dues. <laughs> right, Chris? That's right. Exactly. <laughs> okay, Carl, I need to add $10 to my... <laughs> <laughs> we are very engaged with ACB on a number of projects you'll be hearing about. One is this Get Moving program. And uh, as we all know, exercise is, is a key to managing your diabetes. It's a key we don't probably turn in the lock as often as we should. <laughs> I'm no exception. But uh, uh, the idea is going to be to have some walkathons around the country and a variety of other activities to get moving to help visually impaired people with uh, diabetes. So that's one thing we're doing, uh, partly from ACBDA and partly from ACB. We've done a series of podcasts, and they'll be released just about the time of the legislative seminar, and uh, you'll hear a lot more about them. But they, they cover all kinds of topics, from physical fitness to diet to diabetic education to blood glucose meters. Um, 
the gamut. If, if you want to know something about it, it's going to be in one of those podcasts. We've got professionals on them. We're on them, so that's the unprofessional part. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I'm excited about that. I'm excited that ACB is playing a much, much greater role in, in working in this area. Other things I want to talk about, what people like the most, so I'll talk about that first. Uh, equipment. <clears throat> what equipment is out there and uh, what can you make use of to, to best manage your, your diabetes in terms of knowing your blood sugar, administering uh, insulin if you need to, et cetera, et cetera. Since I was here last time, we've had a real increase in the availability of continuous glucose monitors. And this, to me, is wonderful. For, for blind people, the continuous monitor <clears throat> is absolutely the way to go. I don't know about you, but I was never anywhere near as proactive as I should have been about pricking my fingers and taking the blood and all that. I did it. I even developed a prototype talking blood glucose meter for diabetes care, which they never released. But, you know, I, I knew how to do it. I understood the technology. But to do it three or four times a day, I'm the first to admit to you that uh, I was not real good about that. And if you're not, don't feel bad about it. I think we're all in the same boat in that sense. If you have to do it to administer your insulin, that's one thing. But I was, I'm on oral medication, so I didn't have to do it. Well, if you don't have to do it, <laughs> uh, you just tend to put it off. With the continuous glucose monitor, you don't need finger sticks for the most part. Very, very occasionally, <clears throat> if you feel your meter is telling you something wrong, you may wish to use a, a, a strip and take your blood sugar that way. And you can do that with the, the continuous monitor. But 99% of the time, you don't have to. And with the Freestyle Libre from Abbott Diabetes Care and the uh, Dexcom meters, today you don't have to calibrate even with a finger stick. Dexcom was kind of late on that. But in the last six months, uh, they have had a new meter come out, and it does not require calibration with, with a finger stick. In fact, before, you had to do three finger sticks a day just to calibrate it. And I was like, why bother? Why don't I just stick with my old Prodigy or Biosense or whatever uh, you might want to get? So the landscape of testing your blood today. Blood glucose meters are the old standard. <clears throat> They're what a lot of people use. They are much, much easier to get coverage uh, through your insurance, whether it's Medicare, Medicaid, or a, a private insurer. But that's changing too. But you still have the blood glucose monitor. And before I forget it, I sent to Carla a notice about a program that's going to be held next Friday. <clears throat> Anybody who wants to go to it can go and meet a bunch of folks from Prodigy. And if you go to the meeting and you don't have a Prodigy, they'll send you one for free. 
So if anyone out there would find that useful, and, and it is useful, uh, if, if you're doing the finger sticks right now and, and you're either comfortable with it or you, you're not prepared to, to move to something else, I would really recommend that seminar. There's a guy named Jeremy Rose who's basically running it. He's with Prodigy. Uh, years ago, he was with Biosense Medical. I worked with him quite a bit off and on until they went bankrupt. And uh, he's a good guy. And he he tells me that a lot of the talk that was on about Prodigy for a while, you know, Prodigy got in trouble with the FDA and they had batches of bad glucose strips and were having monitoring issues and they got about three black marks from the FDA. But that was about from five to eight years ago. <clears throat> they have cleaned up their act, apparently. Their quality control is greatly improved. And uh, so you can use a prodigy today and not be fearful about those old FDA reports. But uh, if you're interested, go meet Jeremy, listen to what they have to say. And if you want to get a free meter, do that too. Why not? The uh, second item today that's, that's in your arsenal of testing devices is the continuous glucose monitor. Now, with these monitors, the Libre and the Dexcom, you, uh, you put a sensor uh, onto your body. With the, uh, with the Libre, it's a little round <clears throat> sensor. It's about the size of a 50-cent piece. And you put that on the back of your arm, your left arm for one use and the right arm for the next use. And it remains on your arm for 14 days. The Abbott meter sensors are, are 14-day sensors. And uh, once you have it on there, it's not hard to apply. I find it much harder to get off <laughs> than to get it on because the tape sticks so well. But anyway, once you get it on, you wait for an hour. You, you Well, you put it on, you tell your meter or your, your phone, your iPhone or your Android, that you've got a new sensor, it sees that right away, and then you have to let it work between the software of the reader or the phone and the sensor for an hour <clears throat> to, to begin to work correctly. After an hour, you can take a reading, if you want, every 30 seconds. Uh, you don't want to do that. That's too much work, but <laughs> you could. And it will take a reading itself every minute and a half and just store that reading for informational purposes. Uh, so you don't need to worry about that either. Just take a reading when you want to and find out what your blood glucose level is. No finger sticks, no fuss, no muss. The sensors are robust. You can shower with them. You can swim up to a half hour at a time with them. And uh, they, they really are impervious to water, at least to that extent. Um, once in a while, people tell me about knocking their, their sensor off their arm, and that can happen. I don't think it's very common. There's also a bandage you can put around the sensor on your arm <clears throat> if you do have trouble knocking them off. So that's helpful. So how does it work? And uh, I'm going to take a little risk here 
and I thought I would give you a demonstration of using uh, my continuous glucose monitor. As I say, I have the Abbott Diabetes Care Libre, and I have software on my phone. So let me get my phone turned on here. 6.52 p.m. I gotta unlock it. And I'm in the phone app, so I gotta get out of that by pressing the back button. Back button. Okay. So Librelink is up. I already put it up there. And in just a moment, I'm going to press a, uh, the button that uh, says ready to scan. You'll hear it say ready to scan. Then I'm going to turn the phone around and put it on my sensor. Now, right now, I'm wearing a light sweater. It's not a thick sweater. It's a, it's a cashmere-type sweater. But I've got that on and a long sleeve shirt, so you'll see the meter will read right through that clothing. And even a, even a light coat, it'll, it'll read through that as well. A heavy coat, well, maybe not. But anyway, so let me just do this. I'm, I'm going to tap the ready to scan, turn the meter over, and you'll hear it scan. Ready to scan. Turning the phone over. Alert scan center. My glucose. So you heard some beeps. And that ascending beep means that it scanned. And then it says my glucose. So let's see if I can find the reading. 109. 109. Ooh, I got lucky today. I'm always afraid when I do this, it's like 290 or something like that. <laughs> but anyway, so I can see my numbers, 109. And if I want to do a little bit more, I'll press the back button. Back button. And then I can find the average. Average, 115. And I can also see how long I have left on my sensor. Sooner or later. Sensor ended seven days. Okay, well, I had to work for that, but I was able to do it. There's a lot of things in this software that is not accessible. The graphs, the charts that show your average, say for the week and stuff like that, are not accessible to us. But the main thing, the blood glucose reading and your average for the last 24 hours are pretty easy to find. And as you can see, it's pretty easy to test. So that's a, a little demonstration of, of how it works and what you can do. And uh, I just love it. It's easy to use. Now, what about affordability? Uh, early on, CMS and, and Medicare severely limited your use of continuous glucose monitors. Because of COVID, they have drastically relaxed those restrictions. And today, most people can get a, a, a reader and a couple of sensors on a monthly basis. Well, the reader you have, and it lasts a couple of years. If you don't want to get a reader, just use your phone to do the reading. And the phone is what's accessible. The reader is not accessible. So forget the reader for the most part, although it is what does allow you to take a test with a test strip. So if you don't get the reader, you can't do a test uh, with a strip. You can do the other tests, and you can get the reader to uh, put the data on your computer and look at it that way. So it, it does have some value. Okay, so... <clears throat> the strips are not cheap. 
Um, I pay $42 a, a sensor. So two, uh, two sensors a month is, is, is about right, 14 days. <clears throat> and uh, so that will hold you for the most of the month. And uh, depending on your insurance, and there's all kind of complications that I want to go into right now, Abbott will guarantee you that even if your pharmacy charges you more, that you will never pay more than $75 per month out of pocket. Uh, there are some provisos about private insurance versus uh, Medicare and things like that, but bottom line, it's not all that expensive when you think about it, and the convenience is tremendous. Dexcom is more expensive. Uh, the the reader uh, and the the uh, well the sensors that you use their sensors are not going on the arm they go on the abdomen and uh, they're cloth and they, they but they also use tape adhesive to to adhere to your skin and uh, but they're about twice as expensive and the transmitting equipment that you need that you have to replace every three months also has to get paid for. So I'd say for the most part right now, even with insurance, with the Dexcom, you're going to be into it for about 300 a month or more. That could change any day, <clears throat> and different people seem to find different amounts <laughs> and different programs, which is great. Um, in ACB Diabetics in Action, we work with a company that will help you uh, as a durable medical equipment company get a meter uh, at very little cost, far less than you would pay from your pharmacy. And uh, so if we can always help you get set up with that company if, if you wanted, wanted to go that route. So that's kind of the landscape of continuous glucose monitors. Uh, there is a newer monitor out from Abbott Diabetes Care, a new Libre 2, which is supposed to be more accurate, et cetera, et cetera, but it does not work with cell phones yet. That software is, is somewhere buried deep down in the bowels of FDA and was supposed to be out in January but isn't out yet, so you don't want to get that one. But you can still get the Libre 14-day, and, and it works fine. It works fine. The only thing it, it can be a little bit difficult about is low blood sugar readings. But people that I talk with and so forth have not found that to be a serious problem. Bill, if you want to unmute yourself. Yeah, I, I just wanted to say I use the labor and um, I really like it. And I did it from CBS and uh, Anthem has started uh, paying for uh, for the uh, labor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's all I have. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad to hear that, Bill. Glad to hear it. The third tool for helping you regulate your blood sugar is the insulin pump. And the insulin pump is a device that uh, works with a blood glucose meter and soon continuous monitors and helps you with the administration of your insulin. 
Unfortunately, it has huge accessibility problems. And I don't really know of any totally blind people who can effectively use an insulin pump. I know of some who have tried and had limited success. But I think it's fair to say that insulin pumps, by and large, just are not accessible to blind and visually impaired people today. This whole area of accessibility uh, of printed materials, of courses, of diabetic education material, and of the durable medical equipment is, is a terrible situation for blind people. And uh, with ACB, uh, ACB Diabetics in Action are working on what we call, lovingly call at least for now, the uh, uh, Bill of Rights for Blind and Visually Impaired People with Diabetes. We're kicking a draft around right now. It's uh, got several statements enumerating what we feel our Bill of Rights ought to be. And you'll hear more about that at legislative seminar and more about that as, as the spring progresses. I don't want to read it to you or say a lot about it because I've only done the first draft and it's, you know, getting passed by a lot of other people. Tony Marshall, Eric Bridges, ACBDA itself has to approve it. But I'm excited. <clears throat> and talking about the durable medical equipment is the best place to bring that up because that's really the area that needs the greatest amount of help. Now, these darn manufacturers, they they claim the FDA precludes them from doing anything and it would be so expensive and might be impossible, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I'm here to tell you, if we can get the entertainment industry to make set-top boxes and TVs and so forth accessible, don't tell me it can't be done with durable medical equipment. As I say, I did actually create a talking prototype of, of uh, an earlier Abbott meter. It's very doable. It just needs to be done. Uh, we and ACB are working with the FDA, working with Medicare and Medicaid services. We're trying to work with the manufacturers, but they have told us that they have no interest in talking with us. I mean, they literally told us that in a meeting. <laughs> uh, so it kind of shows you where they are. But you know what? So went the TV industry and the audio entertainment industry. So will go the manufacturers of durable medical equipment. And I think that day is not too many years away. So let's hope for that. And that's, that's really something we're working on a great deal. There is some material, written material, that's useful. Uh, you can find books from NLS. Important, I think, and relevant are books about uh, counting carbs. Carbs convert so easily to sugar. It used to be they talked about only calories. Well, calories have their place, but carbs are what is really important. And if you just can't get your blood sugar to, to go down for you, I guarantee you if you follow some of these low-carb diets, it will be a big, big help to you. Um, we had a group come and speak to ACBDA last summer at convention. 
and on our uh, on the ACB podcast website, you can hear their presentation. Uh, they do a program that's called Optavia, O P T A V I A. So, kind of optimal life is the idea. They have a low carb program which is very very good, and oh, about ten or fifteen people who are members of ACBDA or who I'm in contact with have tried the program, like it, and uh, I would say that if you're if you're struggling to keep that blood sugar low, if you're if you want to either lower your insulin usage or you want to uh, you know stay with your oral medication, that would be one program worth thinking about. And uh, I can send information uh, to Carla. She can send it to you guys if, if you think you'd be interested to, to look into that. It does cost money. We're talking maybe 300 bucks a month. So there is that. <laughs> Everything costs money, right? But um, it's one of the more credible programs out there today. And uh, it comes with uh, several accessible books, uh, which which makes it very nice. The company has worked to create some of their material in accessible format, and uh, and so it, it's 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 worth knowing about. Knowledge is power, all that stuff. Now the insulin pump, we we dealt with that. There's not a whole lot to say about the administration of insulin, what seems to be the best for people, and it's, it's gotten better in the last three to five years, is the use of an insulin pen. Now, there's no insulin pen that is FDA certified <clears throat> for blind people to use to administer their insulin. Um, that doesn't mean it doesn't work. It, it does work, I and mean, I've talked to just scores of, of insulin users and they just count the clicks and uh, administer the insulin, and it's okay. So the fact that FDA doesn't approve it uh, doesn't really interest, interest us all that much. They should, and we're working with them on that, but so far it hasn't happened. So that's the landscape of durable medical equipment. Do we have any questions now? Any raised hands about durable medical equipment? I yeah. see Dave Wahey raise his hand. Dave, you can unmute yourself. Star six or... My question is, can you give me some contact information for Libra? I have a friend that's just recently diagnosed. Knows, ah, diagnosed, there we go, insulin one. So <laughs> I need mm -hmm. some. The thing I would suggest... Okay. I could... I will send Carla... Okay. the contact information for the durable medical equipment provider that good. works with ACBDA. Uh, they're okay. good people, and they have Got gotten it. people some of the best rates and uh, uh, the, the most availability of equipment. They will work with his doctor or endocrinologist, okay. and uh, if he can get set up, these guys will do it. Just, just FYI, the, the person's name that I'll send to Carla is Mike Carmody, and uh, it, it's a good company. They'll, they'll be able to help you out. All right, I appreciate it. Sure. 
Chris, can I put that information on our um, email list? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. The, okay. the more we can get it out there, the better. We, we're we not protective of that information just okay. because it's an ACBDA program. We want everybody to use that. If you don't mind, write us up an announcement, and I can post it. I'll just, you know, we'll okay. post it just as you send it. Okay. I'll do that. Did I hear Debbie? Yes. Okay, um, Debbie? Not not much, Chris. Um, the when you first were talking about some of the newer prodigy meters, um, mm -hmm. were those some newer ones where you don't, if you're testing your blood sugar, that you don't have to stick yourself now? No, or prodigy does. Prodigy doesn't have a continuous glucose monitor, and I don't think they're planning to to bring one out in, in any time in the near future. Or I didn't know if there were other ones out there where you, so all of them you still have to stick yourself to test your blood sugar? If you're using a, a blood glucose meter like the Prodigy, you have to stick yourself. Okay. If you're using a continuous glucose monitor like the Abbott Diabetes Care Libre or the Comdex meter, then they you use don't. the, the Comdex is 10 days, Libre is a 14 day uh, sensor that gives the information. Okay, thank you. Sure. Jerry, you want to go ahead? For the I'll continuous glucose monitor, monitoring system, yes. the, the one that works with the iPhone, how old a phone will that app work with? I'm thinking of someone who has like a seven or, I mean, well, an eight. It's my understanding that the Libre will work with the 8. Uh, however, you ought to phone um, the Abbott Diabetes Care Libre Support Center and be sure about that. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. I forgot something, and if I don't say it now, I might forget it again. <laughs> One of the cool things that your phone app does that the reader does not do is communicate directly if you want want it to with your healthcare provider. And so, for example, I I wanted that service. I, I want to be able to, you know, have a virtual meeting with my endocrinologist and have him be able to access my data without my having to go there. Uh, and often he's not there to go to anyway. He's working from home <laughs> like everybody else. But anyway, he can access my meter's data from my chart at uh, St. Mary's Hospital and uh, see my, my readings every minute and a half, day and night, for the last three months. That, to me, is really wonderful. So I, I forgot to mention that earlier. It was a pain to get it set up. I had to go there. I couldn't get it to work. And a friend of mine who's pretty savvy tried to work with me and get it to work, but between loading the software into the phone and uh, getting the right invite keys, I gave up. <laughs> I just went to the hospital. Just wanted to get that in there because I think it's, I think it's an important service, really. Uh, I wish they were proactive enough to see if your blood sugar was going too high or too low and contact you. They don't do that at least not yet, but uh, if you feel it is or if you're getting anxious, 
you can call them and they'll put you on the phone with a diabetic educator who can instantly look at your data and and uh, give you some advice or make you an appointment or you know, all that sort of thing. <clears throat> anyway, sorry, Bill, go ahead. Uh, I, I was just going to say for the Libra to work, you have to have a eight or higher. Uh, an eight. You, you mean have to have an icon eight or or higher? Um, or that's, that's my understanding. That's my understanding. Yes. Did Daniel get unmuted? Well, the system works in the sense of blood. How sick your blood is? I have never read anything that suggests that blood viscosity or thickness is an issue. The, the see, I have to have my blood checked every week because of my heart problem. Got it. The sensors for the, for the Libre and the Dexcom don't actually access your blood. <clears throat> they, it's a tiny, tiny needle that's on the inside of the sensor and it goes in your arm, <clears throat> but it takes fluid from below your skin, but not as far below your skin as your blood. And so for that reason, there's probably a 20-minute delay in, in what that fluid represents and what your blood sugar would represent, your actual blood would represent if you were to do a, a finger stick, but that's not too bad. And uh, but it doesn't go as deep as to as to get your blood. <laughs> I'm sure they're working on it. Oh, I'm I'm sure I'm sure, but it wouldn't be a problem. It shouldn't be a problem for you at all. Now underneath it is a an adhesive tape that. Has, helps to stick to your skin. But in the sensor, in the middle of the sensor, is a tiny, tiny, tiny needle. And that needle, when you apply the sensor, goes under your skin. The sensor itself does not, though. So mm -hmm. I work for a healthcare company, mm -hmm. and we administer uh, the military health care program. Currently, we are only covering continuous glucose monitors for folks that have un, you know, where there's a history of uncontrolled, uh, uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for, like the, the patients are, yeah, the patients are not managing their, their diabetes correctly or they've had mm -hmm. hospitalizations as a result. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that, um, there's been some relaxation on the rules. Is that through Medicare or who's, who's relaxing the rules? Is that just a general private insurance? Well, general private thing? insurance has always had more relaxed rules. They, they know how valuable it is for you to know your, your real blood sugar. Medicare had very, very strict rules at first. You had to test four times a day. You had to have, A1Cs that went, you know, to high levels. Uh, and the VA was similar to that. Uh, I have two people I've worked with 
who in the last two months have been approved by the VA, even though they did not fall into the original restrictions. So it's it's a changing landscape. It's relaxing, and uh, I think it's going to continue to relax. Personally, I believe that within five years, the current old-fashioned glucose monitor is going to be a dinosaur. They're not going to be around. Nobody would use them if they if they could afford or get their hands on a continuous monitor. They just wouldn't. Who had a question? I have one, Matt, if we don't have another hand raised or something. I, I don't see one right now. Chris, this kind of follows up on uh, what you all were just talking about, and that is the approval of the use of these devices. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, initially, you... You almost, I mean, you need them if you're on insulin or whatever, but they're not being or were not being approved, you know, sort of for prevention mm-hmm. um, to to keep you from having to get to that point. It would seem to me that it, it's almost a no-brainer that if people can use the continuous monitors earlier in the process, mm-hmm. that then they can prevent a lot of the things and the complications that happen from then having to go on insulin. So um, do, do, do you, um, what you are saying, if I'm hearing you correctly, is that there is some re- relaxation in being able to use that before the person <clears throat> has to, has to uh, begin using insulin? Certainly in the private insurance uh, arena, they're using these more and more, even even if you're not using insulin. And today, in Medicare, you don't have to be an insulin user anymore. A year ago, you did, but not now. Oh. And, and you reminded me of what I wanted to say, Carla, because this is cr- critical. And I think this is why the landscape is changing. As people use the continuous glucose monitors, they're able to lower their A1C I've lowered my A1C by a point. A point. That's big. Because, you know, I would eat and then monitor, you know, two, three hours later, and I began to to recognize certain things that really triggered my blood sugar (laughs) to go up and up and up. All the good uh, food, right? (laughs) All the good food. Well, there's some good food that doesn't for me, though. And every single person is different in that regard. So my A1C is down, and it's down because of the continuous glucose monitor. Now, could I have done it with a glucose meter? Maybe, but I never did, so I probably never would. Yeah, that was what I couldn't remember. Thank you for triggering that, because I think that's really important. Anybody else? I do not see any other raised hands. Terry, do you see anything? Well, you guys, I hope this is it was helpful. I hope it's some of the things you wanted to know about. Uh, stay on the lookout for that Bill of Rights for uh, people uh, who are blind and visually impaired with diabetes. Think about becoming a member of ACB Diabetics in Action. We could sure use you, and uh, 
somewhere down the road we're going to come and ask KCB and others to 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 help us change the landscape of of what diabetes means for all of us and there's getting to be more of us all the time that that have diabetes so thanks for the opportunity to share I appreciate it um Chris, this, this yeah. is Bill, and uh, I'd like to thank you for coming and speaking. And uh, you, you do a, a much, much better job at explaining all of it than I can do. And um, thanks again thank for you. your time. And you're welcome. You're welcome. I love to do it. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind, or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at five zero two eight nine five four five nine eight. Or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody.